Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Let me encourage you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you a Bible. We do want you to be able to follow along and keep track with us as we study God's Word this morning. And uh, we are excited to continue a series that we started last week, the series we've entitled Blueprint, looking at God's design for his church and really serves a couple of purposes for us here at Quest. One is for us to focus in on who we are as a church and why we exist and why we do the things that we do. So we're looking at some really core verses about uh, our vision, our mission, and our purpose as a church. Uh, But I think it also gives us a wonderful on-ramp to the summer months as Uh, We have many different ministries and activities for families, for for kids, for for youth um, as well. And I know last week uh, we shared with the church that um, over June, July, and August, uh, myself and uh, our family, Patterson family, is going to be taking a a summer sabbatical of rest, renewal, refocus, and really reconnect uh, with our family. And... um, you know, uh, it's a blessing, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege over these past seven years to be able to serve as a pastor here. And uh, actually, let me just share a couple of, of thoughts, because um, I know sometimes we might have some questions about it. Um, as much as I don't like to talk about myself, let me just share a couple of thoughts. One is, um, I want to assure you that the, that the Lord has called me to continue to serve as the pastor here at the church. Um, so our quote sabbatical or our, our time of rest this summer is not for me to go looking for another job or another church. In fact, the Lord uh, has really called me and our family to this place to continue on in ministry. So it's a, it's a blessing um, to be able to, to have this opportunity. Second, let me just say that I'm not burnt out and I just need a break. Um, in fact, it's kind of the opposite. Um, we want to prevent any type of burnout. And of course, you know, ministry is, is there's challenges and some difficulties. Um, but by the grace of the Lord, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the lead pastor of the church. And uh, giving those burdens to him, uh, as well as taking time. It's interesting, when you look at Jesus, he often retreated to lonely places to pray. And this is the son of God. How much more should we be doing that? But one of the instances where he did that Uh, You remember the disciples came and said, where have you been? We've all been looking for you. There's all this need. And yet he focused in on spending time with his heavenly father. And I think this is a great uh, rhythm and model for for us in in ministry as well. Um, And then uh, also let me just say that I haven't fallen into any sin or there's nothing wrong with my marriage and uh, anything crazy like that. The board's not kicking me out or anything um, in fact, I've been very blessed and, uh, to have the many prayers and support of our, of our church to prevent and to keep those things because the enemy does want to take down people who are serving the Lord. And as much as I love you and, and I love this church, uh, I love my wife and I love my kids and I love my family. I want to say more, but 
uh, in different ways. Let me just say it that way, in different ways. I'm called to the ministry, but I'm married to my wife. And, and I don't want to be the opposite way, married to the ministry in the neglect of my wife and my family. And uh, I, I will say that the great, aside from the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest source of joy and encouragement and comfort in my life is my relationship with Sarah, my marriage with Sarah, and my kids and my home life. And I want to make sure that that thrives as well as I, can, as, as I continue to serve and see the Lord thrive our church body here at Quest. So thank you for the, the opportunity and the investment and the privilege. And, um, and, and I am excited uh, about the summer months because we have uh, many great speakers who are going to be coming, not only our pastors and elders here at the church, but also uh, people that we know, love, and respect who have come and shared and we're going to be looking at uh, spiritual disciplines during the month of June and July, uh, these types of practices that promote spiritual growth and health in our lives. So excited about that. And then our pastors in-house are going to be teaching through the book of Philippians during the month of August. And so this is just going to be a great opportunity and time. And, you know, I, like I said, I shared last week about this. And then our board sent out an email uh, letter to everybody in the church. And if you didn't receive that, again, this is a great time to go onto our website and sign up for our e-bulletin because you can get information not only about communication like this, but also uh, communication about what's happening with the church. So this is really laying a solid foundation for us. And from time to time, we go back to these important principles of why we exist and why we do the things that we do. Because if you forget, if you forget your why, then the what becomes meaningless. And you just go through motions. And for us to look at these principles as we've been studying over this last week, if you miss any of our messages, you can go back and listen to them online. But for last week, we're looking at the dimension, this upward dimension of the church, this idea of worship, that we are to glorify God. That is our primary duty. All other activities are secondary. As we glorify God, Paul says in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 that we should offer our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable worship and service to him. But there's also a couple of other elements uh, for us, not only as followers of Jesus, because I think that these are our personal characteristics and qualities of a disciple, but also of the corporate body of Christ as we gather together. So we're God glorifying. But today we're going to be looking at the inward church. And this picks up the theme of discipleship, of spiritual growth and maturity. And how does that happen? Well, not only are we glorifying God, but we are Bible-based, we're others-focused, we're Christ-centered, and we're spirit-led. Sometimes people might ask you, oh, what church do you go to? Oh, I go to Quest Church. Oh, what kind of church is that? And we think about, well, is it a Baptist church? Is it a Lutheran church? We think about, you know, describing it in denominational terms. But uh, the Bible doesn't have any of those types of, you know, breakdowns or divisions. More we see that uh, a church is a place where the gospel is being preached and the Bible is being taught where people are serving and ministering in community and fellowship and, and where Christ is at the center of the heartbeat of the, of the rhythm of the church and, and where there's a spirit-led sort of movement of, of God in that body. That'd be a cool answer to give people. Oh, what kind of church is Quest Church? Well, we're Bible-based, we're God-glorifying, we're Christ-centered, we're others-focused, we're spirit-led. That'd be a good you know, kind of response. And really that's what we're focusing in on today is this main 
theme of Acts chapter 2 and the beginning parts of the early church that discipleship is the goal of every follower of Jesus. Discipleship is the goal of every follower of Jesus. And that gets us asking the question, well, what does a disciple look like? What does a follower of Jesus look like? Well, of course, they have a cross around their neck and a, a fish bumper sticker, you know, on their car, right? No, of course, they read only King James Version. That's a real disciple. No, that's probably not the case. Oh, well, they go to church three times, four times, five times a week, and uh, they're giving, and they're going, and they're doing all these things. No, those are, that's a, that's a, a product of somebody who is close to the Lord and really on fire for Jesus, but that does not make a disciple. Uh, what makes a disciple, I hope, uh, what we see in these verses today is what I just described. That somebody who is building their lives upon the foundation of the instruction of God's word. Someone who is engaging in fellowship and community in a body of Christ because all the one another's in the scripture that describe for us the importance and the value how we've been designed and created to be in community and connection. Not only in our vertical relationship with God but in our horizontal relationships with other people so that we can build and edify one another up in love. And we can be founded upon the foundation of Jesus Christ his service, his sacrifice, being the uh, North Star and the compass for our lives and for our ministry and being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that through these verses in the book of Acts. And some of your titles, if you look at Acts, it'll say the Acts of the Apostles. And uh, to a certain degree, that's true. But I like to think of it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the work of the apostles as this unfolding of the Spirit of God is growing and building and uh, birthing the church. And so uh, if you would look with me in Acts chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 40. There in verse 40 we read, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse Generation. Now, obviously, we're jumping right into a verse. We need to understand the context. And uh, if you go back, actually, to the last end of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see after Jesus resurrected from the dead, he met with his disciples and he gave them a commandment. He said, I want you to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and I'm with you, even to the end of the age. This is what we call the Great Commission. Now, we're going to look at that and study it in detail next week because not only do we have the upward church, the inward church, but we have the outward church. This is evangelism and, and outreach. And then lastly, at the end of the month, we're going to look at the onward church, which is this idea of, of multiplication and going beyond the four walls of the church and reaching out to other people. And so Jesus gives them the great commission. I want you to go. However, before his ascension up into heaven, you remember in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, hold up, but I want you also to wait. So which one is it, Jesus? Do I go or do I wait? Well, Jesus gave them the mission of making disciples, but he said that mission will not be complete unless you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And this serves as an outline for the book of Acts. We see the gospel being preached and disciples being made and the church growing outside of Jerusalem and into these other areas. It's the ripple effect of the gospel being proclaimed. And so uh, we see this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. And so this is the continuation of that. Paul, uh, Peter, excuse me, as the Holy Spirit falls upon the early church in the book of Acts in the first chapter, 
we see that they were praying. There's about 120 disciples. They were praying and they were seeking God. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues and proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Peter stood up. Peter, after being restored by Jesus, Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times and being restored into ministry and Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, you know, love my lambs and minister to them. He preaches, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he preaches Jesus. And do you realize that through the preaching of of the gospel, 3,000 people get saved? That's pretty remarkable. Man, that's a revival time. People get saved. 3,000 people get saved. And it's in that context that we see Peter standing up in the midst and saying these words, testifying to these 3,000 people be saved from this perverse generation. Now, what do you do with 3,000 people who just committed their life to Jesus Christ? Well, you get them into the Bible. You get them into fellowship. You get them into the, uh, the life of Christ. And you get them filled with the Holy Spirit so that they can go on and minister to other people. And we're gonna see that as these verses unfold. He says in verse 41, then those who gladly received the word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now in the previous verses, as Peter was preaching the gospel and preaching Jesus, there was a response by all of these people. The, the scripture says that they were cut to the heart and they responded, what must we do? Man, that's like a preacher's just, that's just what a preacher just desires to see and hear. That's the best response to any message as a pastor pours into the word of God and lets that word pour into their heart and then that word pours out of their heart to others to, to, to see the response of people who are hungry and thirsty for the word of God, that when they hear the word of God, it cuts to their heart. I don't know when the last time Jesus cut you to the heart, but what we mean by that is have a conviction that Jesus is saying, this is for you that I want you to tune, tune your ear and tune, tune your heart and, and listen up because this is something serious. It's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of your soul that I want you to change because this was a message of repentance. There was something that was changing in their lives. And they said, what must we do? Maybe that's gonna be a question and something that you consider today as we go through this message, is these, these verses. That maybe the Lord Jesus Christ, through the preaching of his word, is going to cut you to the heart. And he's going to bring some conviction and challenge. Because uh, not only is the preaching of God's word bring comfort, but it also can bring some conviction. What must we do? God, there's a response. How are you going to change my life? And uh, Peter here is ministering to these people in verse 32. Notice what is being done. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. We'll just pause there. There's actually a lot going on in these verses, but we have the framework for the body of Christ when they gather together, being devoted to the teaching of God's word, to fellowship, uh, to uh, the breaking of bread, which is a reference to the uh, observation and the remembrance and the celebration of communion and what Jesus Christ has done for us in his service and sacrifice, and even to prayers. And so we, we have this rhythm, but yet there's fear. Notice that. Now that's not just, you know, the idea there is not I'm afraid. The idea is of reverence and of awe. 
uh, they're, they're overwhelmed by the work of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of God's word in their midst that they're seeing signs and wonders. And yes, God can still do signs and wonders today in accordance with his word, nothing outside of the bounds of his word. I don't ever want to limit the work of the Holy Spirit to do signs and wonders, but I think one application for us today is wonders of what God is doing in restoring marriages, wonders of what God is doing in bringing back prodigals, Wonders of what God is doing in uh, breaking the chains of addiction in people's lives. When you have the fear of God in the people of God as they gather around the word of God, there, there's this reverence and excitement and anticipation uh, and a devotion, right? These are the words being used. There's this continued steadfastness. There's a focus. Now, last week we talked about how every single one of us have 86,400 Dollars. I know we want to say dollars, but that's just not the case. Well, maybe you have that, and that's good. It's from the Lord. But we talked about 86,400 seconds in any given day. We all have the same amount when it comes to time. And we talked a little bit about those priorities. And for the people of God, the early church, they devoted themselves. Question, what are you devoted to? What are you dedicated to? We often can discern what we're devoted to and what we're dedicated to by where our money goes and where our time goes. And when you look at those things, sometimes there needs to be a course correction because things that we're devoted to and dedicated to have nothing to do with what Jesus wants in our lives. And these early disciples were diligent and focused on that very next step of growing in the relationship with Jesus. Every single one of us, whether we've been walking with Jesus five days or 50 days, or 50 years. We all have a next step of spiritual growth and maturity in Christ. And the first step of discipleship is to tread deep into the pages of God's word. This is what they devote themselves to. The first step, the next step, the Bible says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's guidance and instruction, not only information, but transformation. And many people can just fill their, their, their minds with God's word. They know all the scriptures. In fact, that, were the, that was the case with the Pharisees. They knew all of the scriptures to the T, yet they didn't allow those scriptures to change their heart and their lives. So you can have a lot of information about God's word and know the Greek and the Hebrew and, and know all the addresses and where to find it, but if, God, if the information does not produce transformation, then it's pointless and we become hypocrites like the Pharisees. And so Jesus is uh, encouraging us through this early church, these first steps, being in God's word, devoted, the steadfastness. And sometimes we think, where is God in our lives? God's kind of silent. And God will always seem distant when your Bible stays dormant. If your Bible, you know, do you know what I mean by that? Like uh, if your Bible is just on the shelf, if it's closed up, if it's hibernating from your, your eyes <laughs> and from your heart, if it stays dormant, there will always seem like God is, is, um, is distant or is even silent. And so for us to understand God's work in our lives and God's, um, God's will in our lives and even to hear his voice, you know, the scripture says that sometimes God speaks to us in a still small voice. And that's hard for me because there's so many uh, voices and so much chatter and so much information and just bombarded. There's so, so many things that are speaking loudly that can drown out the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe Jesus, over this past week, has been tapping you on the shoulder. Hey, 
I want you to spend some time with me devoted in Scripture. I want, I want, uh, I want to speak to you. I want to I show you because it's when you take steps uh, in the Scriptures, that's when you begin to discover God's voice and uh, God's Word. And so the next time, uh, the next time you ask the question, where is God? The follow-up question should be, where's my Bible? And it's in the Bible that we discover God's heart and God's will and God's purpose in our lives. They were devoted. Notice it says they. They were. It's a corporate gathering, seeking God in his word, devoted to it, understanding his will and his whisper that is found in the word of God. So not only do we see the focus Bible-based, but we also see Others focused, in verse 44, it continues on, not only speaking about fellowship, but it says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone has need. Everyone say need. Obviously, when you get together a lot of people, uh, there's a lot of need. Not only is there spiritual need, and that's what fellowship, and that's what um, God's word, and that's what prayer provides for us. It's a It's a spiritual nourishment to our souls, but there's also physical need. There's many different needs. You remember as the early church in the book of Acts continued to grow, some of those needs were actually being neglected, and they realized that they needed to multiply leaders, and they looked for men who were filled with the Holy Spirit, who had a good reputation, and would just be table waiters, people who would clean up and distribute food to the widows who were being neglected. Sometimes ministry gets neglected if we're not... uh, participating and involved in community and in fellowship. And so we go back to this idea of one another and being connected, interdependent upon one another. And the idea is that I need you and you need me and we have something to contribute. But sometimes we look at the church as a place where we are going to consume. We pay our spiritual dues through tithes and offerings and the pastor's supposed to get up there and give us a good message. And, uh, you know, then away we go into the week. Um, that's a very superficial way of looking at church. And, well, if the, the message isn't that great or uh, if the coffee's not that great or if the donuts are a little stale, then I'm just going to pull back or hold back or whatever it is. I mean, that's not the way that the Bible describes the body of Christ just ministering to one another. It's, more, it's less of a consumer and more of a contributor. That every member in the body of Christ is a minister. I think a couple weeks ago, I deputized all of you into the ministry. Uh, we bless you uh, as a follower of Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit in your life to be able to walk with him. If you have the word of God, you have his guide. If you're glorifying him and seeking him, then you have his will. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the power of God to be able to do those things that he's calling you to do. And we need you and we need one another being interdependent. This idea of fellowship or discipleship being formed in the participation of community is this participation, this sharing things in common. One of the other definitions of uh, fellowship here being described is that there's no anonymity. So that means that uh, we're known and we're in relationship with other people. And some of that takes place on a Sunday gathering, in the corporate gathering of the body of Christ. But a lot of that takes place when we go to others' houses and have a meal together or have our kids play together or we share Uh, you know, and serve together in various ministries or we go to a life group together and we get to know one another. This is that idea of sharing things in common and looking for 
opportunities to minister to other people's needs. That the Christian life, based on scripture, is best lived out together in shared experiences contributing to the need and benefit of others. And I have found that uh, spiritual growth becomes stagnant and stale in my life if I don't have an outflow of fellowship and service to other people. It's just filling up versus filling up to be flowing out to, to others. And there's some wonderful verses that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 4, 15 and 16. It says that when every part of the body of Christ does its own share, then there is a building up, there's an edifying, there's an encouragement within the body. So we're Bible-based. We focus on the instruction of God's word as our roadmap and source of truth for life. We also begin to turn our attention to other people and ministering to the needs of others. We like to say, if you see a need, fill a need. There's many needs that uh, are represented. And the generosity, I think you could talk about of this early church is remarkable. That uh, they weren't withholding just 10%, uh, 90% and giving 10% to the Lord. They were saying, God, you have all of me. I just want to be completely generous. And the needs that are represented in a church body are, are many, but God is faithful. He provides for all of those needs. He does that through the generosity of the people of God as they begin to see those opportunities and participate not only physically with our hands, but also spiritually with the resources that God has given to us. That we can say, God, it's all of you. And as we pull that together, there is so much more that we can do together than we could ever do alone. And that's in the resources because God will all Always resource and fund the mission and purpose and the plan that he's doing in and through his church. So if we stay in step with the Holy Spirit, we keep our eyes on Jesus together, there is unity within the body of Christ and we begin to see vision clearly of how he's leading and guiding us to go out of this place and make more disciples who make more disciples in multiplication and in duplication, then God says, yeah, I'm gonna provide. It's okay, don't worry. Because sometimes as a pastor, I can worry. Say, oh, how's that going to happen? How are we going to make those ends meet? How are we going to make sure that the big bill in fixing the air conditioning units that are original to this building, 25 years, that are very barely operating, but thank you, Lord, that they're working today somewhat. Uh, There's needs in the body of Christ. And as we come together... And as we give generously, as we see and share in the common needs of the body of Christ, we begin to see the continuation of this, not only in the Lord adding to the church, in the Lord multiplying the work as well as the ministry. So fellowship, key and important. Sometimes we talk about that, but then we go away and say, oh, that was really good, but uh, that wasn't for me. (laughs) Because it's tough. Connection, relationship, fellowship. It's tough because you got to get down into the messiness of life with people. But I found that's the greatest source of encouragement and support. When you go through, when you go through something difficult, where do you turn? Who do you call for? Who's there by your side? It should be, and I pray it does come from the church body here, from the followers of Jesus that come alongside and minister and love and pray and support. It's a big part 
of our church. Bible-based, others-focused, Christ-centered. Notice we see here they were all together sharing in common the various needs, verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord. So we see that they drove a Honda. Obviously, it's right there in the scriptures. That's just a joke. Honda, I don't know. It's very accurate of me to say that. No, just kidding. Okay, it's first service. I know I got to kind of warm you up for some of, well, actually only just a couple of my jokes. And that's one of them. I just love reading that verse because I can say they drove a Honda. No, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. That's a big Honda, right? Man. Many seats. And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Man, you know, we complicate things so much. Can you imagine if we devoted ourselves to this type of rhythm? But the world is pulling us in so many different directions. No, you got to be on the baseball field on Sunday mornings. That's a challenge for me. That's a challenge for my family because Sherwood's in Little League. There's so many things that pull, but... Our children are learning what's important by the decisions that we as parents are making today. And could it be that we could just reserve one day to prioritize the Lord Jesus Christ with our family? I'm not talking about any guilt trips. Things happen. We go through this. But is it said more that we prioritize and devote Jesus then we more and prioritize other things. I guess that's where we need to just have a heart-to-heart with Jesus. Breaking the bread, simplicity of heart. Uh, breaking the bread is this idea of uh, the communion, of what Jesus did for us. It's his sacrifice and his service. Discipleship is centered on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the building of God belongs to Jesus. He's the good shepherd. He's the senior pastor. It's a repeated observation of Jesus' sacrifice for us. It's a sign of true discipleship. When we pick up our cross daily, when we wrap ourselves with the servant's towel and we begin to live selflessly and sacrificially ministering to the needs of other people. That's what is the focus here on Christ-centered. Jesus models that for us in many uh, ways, but in Philippians chapter two, we see the servant mind and heart of Christ as he models that for us in loving and ministering to other people. So this is the the flow of the the body of Christ. They devoted themselves to God's word, focused on the needs of others in fellowship, remembering the great sacrifice and service of Jesus and living that out in their community. And then lastly, we see uh, this multiplication. We see the duplication of the church in verse seven and praising God And having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Everyone say added. So I'm not great at math. In fact, the only math problem I know is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's the only math that I know. So uh, you can hold on to that one. That's a good uh, problem that you don't have to solve because it's been solved for you. Uh, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But uh, sometimes we read these verses and we think about church growth and wow, okay, man, our church is just exploding and how are we going to do that? And there's all these strategies about 
uh, you know, what type of messages? Well, that message is really not attractional. There's some words that are being thrown around the church. That's not really attractional. We want to make people feel comfortable and uh, we want to, you know, encourage them to come back and, uh, you know, these sort of things. But there's nothing that we see in Scripture that talks about how we should be trying to please people when it comes to the church. It's a preaching of God's word. As you preach God's word, you begin to see lives being changed. It's God's mathematics. He's the one who is adding to the church daily those who are being saved. So what happens is, is that as followers of Jesus, when we get into God's word and start serving other people and in community with one another, being spirit-led, then that is pleasing to the Lord and attractive to the world. It's pleasing to the Lord. But then people begin to take notice. Those group of people are really genuine and authentic in their relationship with God. And they begin to ask the questions, what is going on in that place? What am I missing out on? And that there was favor upon the body of Christ in their community. Friends, we should be a blessing to our community. We should be a blessing to our neighbors and to the people around us. Not a curse. Not when people say, man, okay, here comes that Christian, whoever that person is. And uh, yeah, sometimes we got some issues and some challenges we're working through. But when we are focused on these, this inward dimension of the church, then uh, we begin to draw people to the Lord. And mature and growing disciples and sheep will make more growing and mature disciples and sheep. It's the multiplication of the body of Christ being based upon God's word, being focused on others, being Christ-centered and spirit-led. This is what we see in the early church. This is the foundations of the body of Christ, the disciples of Jesus, uh, living in rhythm with the Lord and uh, growing as well as going for him. So with that, I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. And uh, stay with me here because obviously there's going to be some takeaways for us as we read through the scriptures. One is, have you spent some time with Jesus this past week in devotion to his word? Well, maybe there is a change to take place. Maybe there's a priority. Maybe there's a couple of those 86,400 seconds that you can devote and carve out to spending time with Jesus to establish a commitment to daily spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ in his word. We're also told that the body of Christ spent time praying, uh, to pray, to seek the Lord's will and direction, but also you can pray for opportunities to contribute in helping minister to the needs of other people. And oftentimes, our lives move in the direction of our prayers. As you begin to pray for other people, there's going to be conversations and opportunities and things that you're going to see. God is going to begin to stir your heart to step into areas where you can minister to the needs of other people. And then thirdly, uh, another takeaway is to actively engage in community and fellowship in our local church because we need you. We need your participation. Uh, And as we minister together Encouraging one another, we begin to see this type of growth and spiritual maturity and discipleship continue in the next steps that each and every single one of us has 
in being a growing and going disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. It's living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. That it is God-breathed and inspired and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would unleash the power of your Holy Spirit through the power of your word in our lives. And that you would do powerful, wonderful signs and wonders. That you would do a mighty work. That you would unleash us and release us to serve you through the heart, the mind, the life, and the actions of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I pray for our congregation. I pray for our church body here. I pray that you would grow us up into these things, that we would be God-glorifying in all that we do. Take our lives, take all of us, our entire bodies, to worship you. Lord, that we would walk deep in your word. Lord, um, it's for you, for you, inward, growing, multiplying as a disciple. Lord, help us to focus in on your truth and on your guidance and on your direction. God, we love you, we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.